up with this list. Some of the whatever face podcast. Oh, but you at least got to get the name right. Is that not it? Whatever face is it? Is it that what it's called? No, that's what they said it was okay, called. Okay, whatever okay. face pocket. I thought you were just oh. missing it. I'm like Ron Harper face. Welcome back to the pod, my main man, Pat. I'm glad to be here. I'm gonna start this off by telling you, you're mm-hmm. not coming up here to preach this time. We are here to cut. A fool on every single thing that's going to be talked about. But how are you? How are you doing? How's your mental? How are your grades? Uh, I am okay. Uh, It's uh, it's, uh, how it is a challenging space. There's a book in this uh, somewhere for me. But um, I'm okay. (laughs) You know, I'm on a... I'm going to tough this out and do what I got to do. So everything's okay. How are you? Uh, yeah. That pretty much answers it. Yeah. Okay. Just, a, just a shriek and a, yeah, you know. Yeah. I don't want to say anything. Anything you want to talk about? I got a lot of stuff to talk about. And I'm okay. glad you asked. We'll get right to okay. it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> No, but in all seriousness, I'm I'm good. Uh, I think I'm just in a space of Lisa's about to be up in the car, trying to find a new mm-hmm. car is the worst thing in the world right now because mm-hmm. everybody's charging an arm and a leg. Do you mm-hmm. extend your lease? Do you buy your car out? Mm-hmm. Nothing serious, but that's where that my kind brain of space. Uh, yeah. I'm my good. brain space is in there. Uh, we're going to do a quick little, uh, everything is going to be, please fire off at the top of your head for everything we discuss. You do, I don't want to call it a show, but it may be, and maybe uh-huh. I'm in the prophetic realm and speaking it into existence. If it's uh-huh. not there uh-huh. already. No, uh-huh. but I, <laughs> I saw you post a video called random matters. Yes. Is that a full show or is that was just a one-off? No, no, no. It, it, it was a full show I did with uh, my best friend. Um, we started maybe two or three years ago uh, and we were, you know, in the rhythm of doing it. And then I decided to come to D.C. And we actually haven't, we haven't done one. You know, we did. When I was, when I was home over the summer, um we did random matters because i was there we usually do it in the same space and um and yeah that's the only reason we haven't been doing this because of the, the space difference and then i started this year doing um love again and he started doing his own podcast and so um random matters is like on the third burner right now gotcha so mm-hmm. this idea is spawned from you two gentlemen, uh, it's not going to be in the same premise as Random Matters, but what I'm going to do is throw out a bunch of topics to you mm-hmm. and get your opinion on them. But before mm-hmm. we go there, I would like to do a little warm up and ask you, what is the best curse out you've ever heard, maybe as a child, as an adult, from an older person in the church? No, I, yeah, I didn't go to that kind of church. 
<laughs> yeah, I did. You know, we were Church of God in Christ, so we didn't we didn't speak those kinds of uh, those kinds of things. So I didn't grow up in that church environment. Like I didn't I didn't go to a church where, um, like, the head nurse carried a gun until <laughs> until I was like grown. Like I was I was. I was good and grown, so I, I had left my my church of my nativity. Um, but the 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 church I went to before um, before I started City of Faith, um, the the head the head usher usher's name was Killer. Okay, I'll take yeah. yeah. So, All right, even get to ask why it uh, was different. It was different. It was a it was a different environment. That's what that's what I'm saying. It's just. The different I'm going to ask how he got the name, but because nah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> it just don't sound like they're giving those out or um, for your tithes and offering. So, mm-hmm. um, Chicago kid, right? Born and raised. Yeah, yeah. Give me the one thing that annoys one tourist thing that annoys you that normal people from Chicago take for granted. One thing about Chicago that annoys me. Not Chicago. Or, like a tour, okay. like so for a tourist thing that they, they do. Okay. But you guys take for granted, but it's annoying when you see it because you take it for granted and people are just like, oh my God. Um what annoys me is uh deep dish pizza in Chicago. Oh, um, oh yeah, here we are. All right. No, 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 no. Here's I tell you. Here's I tell you why. Because most tourists come to Chicago for deep dish pizza, and they may go to like Giordano's or something like that. Um, real deep dish pizza is not commercial, or it's not a chain. It's it's you know like a boutique pizzeria in Chicago, and so most people only go to you know, the kind of hot profile places and think that's pizza. Um, there's some some really authentic, you know, where, you know, Italians make pizza that are way better. And deep dish pizza is not the best pizza in Chicago. So I, I hate when, you know, people talk about associate deep dish with pizza in Chicago because it's not, there is some great deep dish, but it's not the best pizza in Chicago. That's all I'm saying. What would you say is the best pizza in Chicago? Because I ain't from there. You are. So I don't want to. If if all the heat comes from the Chicago mm-hmm, listeners, mm-hmm. I will definitely say that you are more than qualified to speak on this. I so. am. I am absolutely more qualified. <laughs> the best deep dish pizza in Chicago is going to be Pizzeria Dewey. Um, um, that's the best deep dish. The best. Um, Thin crust pizza is probably going to be a um, place called Beggars Pizza. And there's a place called Home Run Inn. You can't go, go wrong with either one of those. Um, Does Killer joint. eat at um, Beggars Inn? Uh, Killer's going to eat at Beggar. Well, the killer's, <laughs> killer's, killer's dead now. So uh, he's been gone for a minute. But I, I do assume that Killer had eaten that beggars yeah i'm gonna okay. go out on the limb yeah i uh i'll give you the new york one and the new york listeners you can probably 
add multiple to this while this is going off, um, while you're listening, but Times Square, it's mm-hmm. tourist thing to do. And as New Yorkers, we want nothing more. Like if we have to go to Times Square, it's gotta mm-hmm. be a work-related thing or a matter of life and death. We would rather walk anywhere else mm-hmm. but in Times mm-hmm. Square. But for mm-hmm. your tourists that come in, you want to take pictures and you want to kneel down and get the right angle. Nothing pisses a New Yorker off more than mm-hmm. us trying to get somewhere and you and we somebody take you. pictures. Yeah, we trip over you because <laughs> you're trying to get the right angle or where the ball drops and yeah. Get out the way. You can get cussed That's out. Funny. That's funny. <laughs> you can get cussed out. Um, funny. Going up to Chicago, sports mm-hmm. guy. Are are you mm-hmm. all White Sox, Cubs, or are are you White Sox or Cubs, Bears, Bulls? Well, you know, as a as a kid, um, it was going to be the Cubs because my grandfather. Um, was literally a Jackie Robinson, Willie Mays fan. Like those were his guys, and he would see them play. Um, and, and during that time, for black people to go to a ball game was a big deal. They would dress up in suits and hats and like take their kids to the ball game. And it was one of the ways that black people were coming into the middle class during that time and so for black people it was an event to go up north you know where the white folk live and take your family to go see jackie robertson or willie mays play ball and so of course when when i was born they had retired but my grandfather still did it he he loved he loved baseball so he would take me and my younger brother um to the cubs game um and i never liked baseball um it wasn't my thing but I distinctly remember having that experience uh, with him. So I'm going to say the Cubs. Now, the Cubs are up north. I live south. The White Sox are um, the, the team on the south side. And so, you know, just by, you know, geography, it would be uh, the White Sox. But in my lifetime, both of them have won World Series. And so I feel very fortunate. Um, I'm very fortunate, and I have bragging rights because in my lifetime, White Sox, the Cubs, the Blackhawks, which are uh, soccer, Sox. Chicago Bears, and the Chicago Bulls all have won world championships. I've seen that with my own eyes, and so um, I've had a great sports life. <laughs> I have more than what my grandfather had. Huh? Did you go to any of the parades? Uh, no, because the Bears parade happens in January and it's too cold to be out there. <laughs> um, the Bulls happened, um, that was in June, but that was way too many people and I don't do crowds like that. Um, the, the Blackhawks the Black and the Cubs were white events, so we weren't invited to those things, so we really didn't want to. <laughs> they party in a way where they don't go to jail when they do it. Like they could destroy his stuff and they just had a great night out. We do it and you know it's a riot. So we weren't invited to those the things. So no, that means I've stayed home. 
All right, I'm going to ask you, uh, who who did it better? I want you to keep in mind, I'm going to keep going back and referencing random matters, but who did it better? Jail time edition. We got Julie and Todd Chrisley or Martha Stewart? Who did jail time better? Did jail time better. Who did it better? And it's Martha Stewart and who? Todd and Julie Chrisley. I wouldn't know. Um, those are, you know, those are, those are a white issues. And I only have bandwidth for so much. <laughs> And they just, they were not my concern. Um, I, I first of all, like I said, I didn't even know who these people were. And then when you said, I was like, oh, I think I've seen something come across my feet. Um, so I, you know, I try not to involve myself with white problems. Um, That's rather important be okay. we got a gang, we got a gang of white problems to address here. Uh, okay. Who, we'll see how who it did it better? The Neelys or Paula Dean? I used to watch the Neelys. They they used to they no they mad we don't uh, clearly they weren't the best husband and wife to one another. But I've seen what they could do with a stick of butter and and two cups of sugar and some peaches and pie crust. I've seen it what they could do with it. So that's all I'm saying. Oh, okay, that's all I saw. So I'm gonna go with the Neelys. Go with the Neelys. Yeah. Would you ever call the police when you're in Tennessee? Um, it depends on what the issue was. Depends on what the issue was. And what time of day it was. You might not get half the department if you're calling uh, in Tennessee now. Um, do you feel bad for the white man who's, uh, whose wife was out for the streets at her, at her day job? She was being joyous at work. <laughs> she was... You could say she had one or two work husbands. I, I yeah. think that's, that's the right phrase. She was sharing her love uh, at work. Well, the, I think it didn't, didn't someone suppose that the husband was sticking by her during all of this? I think I read that into that. And if 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 that ain't some some pimp, if that ain't a pimp, I don't know what is. <laughs> like I like if you could do all of that and there's a police report and your husband is like, maybe I got you. Don't even worry about it. You a pimp. She's a pimp. <laughs> and I think we should all run from her. Cause you don't need that kind. You don't need those kind of issues in your life. <laughs> you don't need that. You don't, you don't need that. In a formal life, in a formal life, if you worked yeah. at that precinct, would you have uh, taken a dip in the cream? No, no, absolutely not. I am not going to betray these black queens out here. <laughs> absolutely not. See, that's how the white devil. That's how they get you. Nope. Mm -mm. <laughs> 
Farrakhan, the Honorable Minister Farrakhan would frown upon such things. So, I think no. we get a, a letter from uh, Dr. Umar as well. But uh, Yeah, yeah, get lashes. So, <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm going to mind my black business. Oh, man. Um, we're, let's, let's, let's stay in Tennessee for a little bit. Uh, if you're in a relationship, do you mind your girlfriend or wife having male work friends? That's a weird question coming after that last topic, but we're here. No, uh-uh. I, um, no, I mean, I, I think that's, that's silly. Of course, you know, your spouse is going to have, you know, friendships, relationships um, with work people. Um, that's fine. I, I think, you know, for all our relationships, the boundaries need to be had, of course, but you can't, you, you can't be with someone and be insecure every time they walk out the door that someone else is going to have their attention. Um, I think you have to, to be more mature than that, but that's just me. Can you date a bartender or stripper? I thought about this. <laughs> Um, and, and you know, in the frame, in the context of me thinking about it, was like there's this guy in the Bible who got basically tells him to go marry a sex worker. Um, and I've I've thought, you know, if if I fell in love with a proverbial stripper, according to T Pain, <laughs> or uh, you know, like Usher fell in love with in the club. You know, what What would I do? You know, would I try to rehab her or would I let her be and accept her for what it was? And, you know, I don't know. And I, I, I don't know. Who amongst us has never known forbidden love? You know? So the real answer to that was uh, you thought hard and long about it and the answer still is yes, but you don't want <laughs> <laughs> I've come to no conclusions yet. I'm still the jury is still out. I don't I don't know. I don't know. I'm still thinking through it. Okay, so staying in that vein, if you uh meet them there, do you think do you play uh Captain I don't want to call him save a hole, but that's the term right. I have. So we, do you play Captain Save a Hole or do you just like, well, this is how I met her. So mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. get your money, get your coin, baby. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think it would, I think you would have to have some really honest conversations. Right. <laughs> I think up front, you need to have these kind of conversations. So, you know, like I'm not in the, I'm not in the, to, to condemning or slut shaving someone for, for their past or, or, you know, who they are, what they do. Um, but if if we're thinking under like a framework of a relationship, then I think these conversations need to be had and everybody needs to be horribly honest up front to see if there's a way to to find some middle ground. Um, but I, I'm just of the opinion, like I, you have to lead your life. I can't lead my life and your life. But if we're together, we I, we both have to be okay with the lives we lead. And so we need to have 
conversations about it, but I don't want anybody to change for me, you know, do what you do or whatever and let me figure out whether or not I need to stay or go. That's fair to me. You just opened up not a can of worms, but a, a, a different tunnel for this conversation. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Let's say you, you find that person in the strip club, she becomes your, your girlfriend, like significant other. Mm-hmm. You guys have had the conversation, you, put, you had the, the difficult talks and you both agree that, you know what? Yeah, we can pursue this. And she proposes to you the idea of bringing somebody else into the mix. Do you give her the control to pick? Or are you saying, no? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? I, I can't answer this question. I'm saying <laughs> I can't. I have no idea what you're talking about. And the blood of Jesus be against you. I can't. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. The devil is alive. <laughs> what kind of you trying to get me killed, Reed? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I told you it was random matters. No, devil. Nothing Mm -mm. but. Mm -mm. So, Mm -mm. figuratively Mm -mm. speaking, Mm -hmm. what you're saying is Mm -hmm. that empty space is for you to say what you're saying. What I'm saying is, I'm not going to let the devil get the victory. Oh, All right, man. Yeah. I, was, I was trying. I was trying to catch you. No, I know. I see. Okay. <laughs> so you ain't following Martin the Luther King's uh, footsteps. You, you're not. All right, we can move on. We, we ain't got. We can see that read. Just... <laughs> we move on. <laughs> Dr. King was under a lot of pressure. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I get it. I'm going to say he was right, but I'm saying. You understand. I get it. Oh, man. I love how they, uh, I'm going to say they whitewash our heroes. Nobody ain't know nothing about that until we got older. Yeah. That's how they do. (laughs) That's how they do. Random matters. Mm-hmm. Keep going. We'll keep going. I, I like this. And I mm-hmm. wanted to do this with you because I thought we would have a good time. Um, mm-hmm. Battle of the schemes. This is all white schemes. Which mm-hmm. was the better scheme? <clears throat> Anna Delphi, the, the girl who convinced New York's elite that she was an uh, uh, heir and got them to invest millions of dollars into a business that didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Billy McFarlane, the guy from the Fire Festival, promised mm-hmm. all these celebrities and this big dream. Mm-hmm. Simon Lev, Le- Le- Simon Levy is how you pronounce his name. He mm-hmm. had a uh, special on 
Netflix as well, but he charmed multiple women into giving him millions of dollars to help him on some sort of secret mission. And it was all mm-hmm. a lie. <clears throat> women ended up maxing out their credit cards, not paying mm-hmm. their bills and having to uh, sell his wardrobe to sort of kind of get him out of prison. Talk about a pimp. Sell his and, wardrobe. Yeah. So while he was away, one of the girls um, she was in some sort of fashion business and mm-hmm. he was saying that he had ran into a problem and these people were going to kill him and asked her if she could help send money. She had maxed out all her cards and he told, she told him that she could sell his clothes because he wore all, all designer everything. She could sell his clothes and get some of the money to help send so that he wouldn't die. Come to find out she sold all the clothes didn't send the money he got really mad at her it's a great story you should watch it <clears throat> okay. and last, I, probably, I probably won't probably won't you leave yeah. that alone okay but I, I, I believe you though the last Bertie the Madoff responsible for the biggest Ponzi scheme in America 20 years con folks out of investing their money it's said that he stole upwards of sixty billion from people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who schemed better? And do we salute the schemer? Anadelphi, Billy McFarlane, Simon, and Bernie. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Bernie with this. I I've watched. I saw there's a new um, limited series on Madoff on Netflix. I just watched it like a week ago, about two weeks ago. And then there's an HBO movie um, that De Niro starred in or made mm-hmm. Um Yeah, no, the way the way Bernie Madoff pimped capitalism <laughs> and, and greed, American greed itself, all those years um, was, was pretty Pretty astonishing. Um, and, and the thing about Bernie is he didn't have to do it. Like he was rich, all, he was a multimillionaire already. But he just was like, ah, you know, let me do something, you know, something else with my day or whatever. He just <laughs> made up these, this hedge fund scheme. And, you know, he basically did it because he was bored. And which makes it horribly fascinating to me because he had all the money in the world, could do anything he wanted to do. And he was like, whoa, let me, let me, I'm bored. So let me, you know, take money from all of these rich folk. And I think that was, and it it was a horrible story because of course there are people who lost everything. There are people who killed themselves over losing everything. Um, I'm, gonna, it was, I'm gonna play devil's advocate here because mm-hmm. we're on a pod, and that's what happens mm-hmm. when you need conversation. Mm-hmm. Is it a horrible story? Is it the fact that he conned them, or their willingness to give him everything? Well, there's there's a, a, a more than two type of people involved. There were multi millionaires and a couple of billionaires who invested with him simply because they were carnivorous and wanted more money. Um, And then there were people who, you know, who weren't 
this is middle class who like put up their retirement like in a Roth IRA or something, in some hedge fund to retire off of. That wasn't greed. They were doing that for security. And like he took everything from them. Um, did he take it or did, were they willing participants in giving it to him? Well, no, he took it because what they, what they were giving it to him for was to save it. Mm-hmm. So he took it. No, no, without without their permission, he he absolutely took it. Um, and, and so I mean, it's a fascinating story. But yeah, I, I Bernie, the what Bernie Bernie made out here was about forty billion, sixty billion dollars. Sixty billion dollars. Yeah, yeah. That's that's we've never seen a pimp like that before. <laughs> No, we ain't never seen, never seen nothing like that, <laughs> nothing like that before. Bernie, Bernie sits at top of the top of the hill with that one. So Don Juan ain't even his. Uh... No, 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 no. Bernie, Bernie was something else. Like he, he was on a whole different level. So yeah, those are those are two different things. Yeah, Bernie made off with all that money. So, so do you salute the scammer in these scenarios that they were able to get? I'm not let's let's take the people who like the the I'm working class people who said, oh well, you know what, these are my life savings. <clears throat> let's focus on the rich people who just wanted more and more and more greed. Um, do you salute the scammer in all of these uh scenarios? Uh, not no. Like I don't salute Bernie for it because it wasn't an ingenious idea. It was, it was basically I own a bank, but I'm just the scam is I'm since you know I own a bank and my bank is profitable. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna open up a smaller bank exclusively for you all. Like that's not genius. That's just sleight of hand. That's like parlaying your reputation into spinning off what you already done and just narrowing it and make it more exclusive. That's not genius. It's savvy, but it's not like he came up with, you know, who's genius? The guy who created cryptocurrency. Now you left out that scam. That's that's still on That's That's a huge scam. Who the main? They, there's no finger to point at the main guy to say he's the one that got this thing started. And I know I have friends who invested in crypto, and they were all for it. Uh, they've been quiet the last two months, though. There ain't nobody, <laughs> nobody, nobody came at the barbershop talking about <laughs> the, the crypto account or nothing like that. But I knew whoever did. Now that's genius because you created something out of absolutely nothing. And that's just like those, what were those NF, NFTs? NFTs. Yeah, yeah. Now that's that's genius because you're creating something that's illusionary and you're able to sell it and people buy it. That's, that's genius. On the, the crypto front, uh, I am one of the stalkers who got I'm not gonna say hook, line, and sink it, but I brought in. I brought in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was also one of the people that got 
mad at the people who got in at the inception and during the pandemic were able to buy houses and cars and uh, whatever they wanted by cashing out on their, their crypto and things like that. I do believe <clears throat> if people don't know that your friends uh, who haven't been to the barbershop, if they don't know, the government has just now, the feds have started to regulate crypto. And I think that is because it made too many millionaires too quick. And them old white people on Capitol Hill said, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. We, we can't have this. I mean, niggas buying G-Wagons with cash? Yeah. During a pandemic? No, we can't do yeah. that. We don't have to regulate. Well, here's what fundamentally I've always thought about it is I didn't think crypto had a long, had a long-term success because I, I, I understand when you understand capitalism and when you understand the, the market and American capitalism specifically, it's built on no competition. The worth of the dollar only holds its worth when it is not in competition with the Euro or the yen. And if we are competing, if those currencies are competing globally, America is not going to let another currency come in and weaken the American dollar and devalue it. America would not do that to itself. So there's no way that the federal government is going to recognize another competing currency when it puts its dollars throughout the whole world. So it was like, I, I understand it theoretically what crypto is. And I, it makes sense that ultimately, and this has happened, like we exchange, we can exchange, you know, dollars for goods without, without paper. We're a paperless society more now. But that's still the US dollar being exchanged, federal, like, you know, dollars that are in federal, federally insured, federally backed banks. Mm. Crypto isn't. If it's not federally insured, it's not federally sanctioned, which means that the U.S. dollar, U.S. government is not going to recognize it as its own currency. That was my theory, and I, it's held up for the most part. I don't, I don't think that there's any movement to make it mainstream and make it a part of our economy. And so I always thought that it had a short shelf life, and like you said, there are people who came up, they got in. It grew, then they pulled it out, cashed out. And then I know some people who were like in it for the long haul and lost some significant dollars. But I just think going forward, and it helped me because during this, I was actually in the class and we studied capitalism. So, okay, I, I had time to kind of talk through in the classroom. and We talked about crypto and talked about American dollars. So I, I did that, but I just, you know, my bad to all of y'all. But so, but that's that's pimping. That's that's genius, right there on some level. That's that's genius. Bernie Madoff, you know, he just traded off on being rich and white. That ain't. He didn't have to do much to do that. He just wake up in the morning and people would give him money. So, um. What was I going to say about the crypto and Bernie before we had? Oh, 
Bernie Madoff, people putting all their money in him and all that trust in him and losing everything. How do you feel mm-hmm. about your boy? Uh, and I, I don't, he, he's not your boy, but Usain Bolt putting all his coins in a Jamaican bank and losing the twelve million dollars that he had. No, oh, I'm not going to talk about George's cousin. George's going to be <laughs> mad at me. Yeah, uh-uh. well, maybe do that. Somebody said they told him Curry Goat was $12 million and he just thought it was mm, a plate. Black folk play too much. Can't take nothing. Oh my God. Seriously. Oh. Mm, mm, mm. oh, man. All right. Let me keep going with these random matters. I'm sorry. I just had to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Willard Smith, did the slave movie bring him back into the fold? Is he welcome back? Have you seen it? I have not. Not yet. Okay. I I haven't rushed to see it, but have you seen it? I have not. Okay. And the question is, why haven't? Why haven't haven't you seen it? Why haven't I seen it? I will. I said to you guys on a episode long, 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 long time ago that Will Smith was my favorite actor. And after the mm-hmm. slap, that wasn't going to change anything for me. I didn't see it because I don't care for another slave movie. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care mm-hmm. who the actor was in it. I, I don't, I don't care to see another slave movie. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. I, I'm honestly mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. So that was that's why I haven't rushed to be like, hey, let's put that slave movie on. Like nothing says mm-hmm. Christmas than like mm-hmm. some niggas get some lashes. Uh, so I yeah didn't run to see that. Yeah, I, I you know I I'm and, and I didn't see it for the opposite reason. Um, not that I'm not interested in the story because I, I I'm interested in the history. Um, it's him, and I need to get over this. I need okay. to let this okay. go. Um, I need to let it go. I do. And uh, I need to walk in forgiveness with him. It's very difficult, though. It, it's challenging. And I thought I had let it go. Theoretically, I have. Somewhere what in is, me. Some, what some part in me. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I get annoyed when I see him. And there's a part of me that even think when he was doing PR for this movie, this is a lot of this is contrived. Your contrition is contrived. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I, I'm just I'm just getting that. And I it might not even be the case. Like he could be, you know, very sincere. I think another part of it is I haven't heard Chris Rock talk about it. And there's a part of, and there's a, a small room, this group of people who are really big Chris Rock fans and want to know, is he okay? How is he processing it? Like, if he's good, I think that would let us be good. But because he hasn't talked about it publicly, which is his right, um, I think it kind of still is like an open wound, which is why I am so looking forward to Chris Rock's special. Because I think he is going, oh. I think he's going to go so hard. <laughs> I think he's going to go 
so hard at will. And I am for all of it. And I think that is going to be the catharsis. Like, after that, it's like, okay, we can move on now. When's the Chris Rock? They haven't announced the date, right? They, just they did. Yeah, it's March, March seventh or something like that. Like, ain't nobody waiting to March. Chris we don't wait it longer than that. We <laughs> yeah, we could wait. <laughs> it's gonna be live. It's gonna be live on Netflix. The first. Oh yeah, half the world's gonna be watching this. This is gonna be an event. Biggest scam. No, let me stop. Netflix isn't a scam. But I do remember when uh, Netflix first came and they had the red vending machines. I probably still have DVDs in my house from Netflix mm-hmm. when they had that. I had the, I had the three, three DVD package, three DVDs a week package. I, I used to, I've been rocking with Netflix for a minute. Yeah, I, I when it first came out, I owe Netflix an apology because when it first came out, I said this isn't gonna last very long with Blockbuster here. I have to mail you in my DVD for a dollar mm-hmm. or whatever it is, or you're gonna bill me. Oh, okay, I'll just keep, I'll just keep your DVD and mm-hmm. cancel the card. Duh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Says um, yeah, I never thought about doing any of that. <laughs> yeah, I bet you did. That was like. Let me, let me put these DVDs in the mail. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, remember when Netflix had the vending machines, they weren't everywhere. They weren't mm-hmm. like just places you, they, they weren't like the Amazon pickup locations mm-hmm. where you can pretty much go anywhere. They were like mm-hmm. specific locations that you had to go for this stupid vending mm-hmm. machine. Mm-hmm. And I just wasn't going to go out of my way. Mm-hmm. To go to the vending I get machine. it. I get it. I get it. I get it. My house. They worked it out for you, didn't they? It, they sure enough did. Hey, lazy nigga, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it on the right. TV. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. But mm. yeah, do you think he opens up with the Will Smith stuff? Got to. Got to. Got to. This is what we. Everybody. This is what we here for. And I think because he's had, he took enough time to process, I think it's going to be beautiful. Like, I think, I think it's going to be, it's going to be artful. Do you think there's a bit or something where he, like, nervously checks for the security to see if anybody runs on stage, but it's part of Oh, look, it's going to be, oh, yeah, he's going to give us all of that. Oh. <clears throat> I wasn't a fan of Tambourine. Why? Maybe I need to watch it again, but I think I understood he was being vulnerable in that one, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I didn't feel I didn't feel the punchlines. Maybe I should go back and look at it, but it was just like, oh, okay, you just up here giving me your four for four or your Right, 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 right. No, 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 no. I, 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 I track, I, I track comedians, you know, and over the course of time and what they have to talk about, how their life changes, and if they're able to to stay relevant, stay funny. And I guess because I have been divorced, 
I could connect with some of the material and some of the things that that he was going through, which was hilarious to me. Um, and so, yeah, I just think, I just think for that particular one, that was ultra personal for him. And I get if people who hadn't had that experience, like, was like, ah, eh, you know, it was okay. But for those who understood, you know, what the what the jokes were, I. It was absolutely, it was absolutely hilarious. So to your point, I said mm-hmm. the same thing about Kanye West, Aerowaze and Heartbreak. Didn't understand mm-hmm. it when it came out, went through a breakup and I played it just about every day. Cause it was like, mm-hmm. oh shoot, I get mm-hmm. it now. I, I get what he was talking about. So yeah. I, I, I see your point in that it spoke to you because it was something that you went through and you could relate better having gone through it than somebody sure. who was just listening as a Chris Rock sure. fan and being like, sure. all right, Chris, where's yeah. come on? Yeah, because I mean the bring the pain was was, you know, evergreen. Like it was for all black people. Um everybody could relate to to what, what was going on and bring the pain this was more specific this was way more um situational based comedy and so i i totally i totally i totally get that absolutely one of the beautiful things about new york city is that you could literally run into celebrities walking down the street with no security no nothing and mm-hmm. this is a story of the time I met Chris Rock uh, mm-hmm. walking down the street with mm-hmm. no security, no nothing. Mm-hmm. And he was on the phone and I walked past and I'm like, I'm saying to myself, is, is that Chris Rock? And I think he saw my like mm-hmm. facial expression and he just nodded mm-hmm. and smiled and just kept walking. And I was like, okay, guess that was, mm-hmm. <laughs> guess that was Chris Rock. But yeah. In the same vein, you'll see Andre 3000 walking with a flute in Soho, like it's just a normal occurrence. Again, with limited to no security. Yeah. Do you guys have that in Chicago where Michael Oprah is just standing around someplace? Um, I've had my fair share of celebrity sightings, like celebrities chilling downtown um are you the actual picture type or leave them no 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 i definitely i definitely leave them be the only time i i stopped somebody well yeah so i saw jill scott i was coming i was walking in the nordstrom's and she was coming out and we passed by each other and she looked at me and i looked at her she smiled i smiled we both kept walking and let me give you a testimony. Her smile is real. Her <laughs> smile. No, no, no. She smiled at me. <laughs> and, and it's real. Like, I kept walking, but we, we slowed down to smile at one another. And, and I think, I know she had, she had just did a concert in Chicago the day before. So she was just, so you let him be. The only time I stopped somebody was, have you ever watched The Wire before? Yes. Okay, so I had started watching The Wire, and The Wire was off TV, but I discovered it somehow or another. I was, I was coming out of Walgreens, 
and D'Angelo, who's from Chicago, by the way, he was uh he was coming out of Walgreens, and we walked past each other, and then I, I stopped. I was like, D'Angelo. He was like, what's up, man? I was like, hey, man, I just started watching a while. He was like, you just started watching a while? I was like, I just, I had cable for a long time. I mean, <laughs> since you asked, I mean, I give you a rational explanation how I, I'm just not watching. But yes, here I am. And you're great. They shouldn't have did you like that. <laughs> that was the only time I actually stopped somebody. Like, you know, what's happening is that because you were, it was fresh for you because you were watching? Like, the yeah, show? I was. I was currently. I had finished the wire, so I was currently watching it. So it was very much present with me, and it was a, it was a, something I could not resist doing. So what? I, well, I guess I can figure out why, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Mm-hmm. Why are you not the? Hey, can I get a picture? Or hey, can I get your autograph? Or right. is that conversation different if Janet Jackson's walking in Nordstrom? And I wouldn't walking. ask Janet for a picture. Um, probably because when I was would a have kid, to pick you up off the floor. That's no, 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 no. <laughs> No, I, I, it's, a, it's a certain conditioning. When I was a kid, <laughs> I sang with this choir called the Soldiers in the Chicago, right? And we would, you know, we would back up different artists or big, huge artists. Like we backed up down to Ross one time and then we did a Motown 30 thing. So it was Stevie Gladys, da, da, da. And one of the things that was taught to us in rehearsal was, when you are in the presence of these people, you can't act like a fan. Mm. It's like they're people, you're here to work with them or whatever. So this is not that space for you to, to fan out. She said, sometimes there'll be opportunities. When there are opportunities, you know, that's fine. But when they walk in the studio, or when they walk in the hall for the rehearsal, you know, you don't run up to them while they're working because we're, we were working, you know, if we're doing a soundtrack, we're working. So it's not, you know, socializing time or whatever. He was like, no. Nah. So I think I carried that over that, you know, if if I see Jill Scott walking, I I know what she, like I said, she had just, she had been in Chicago working or whatever. And then she went in some downtime, you know, and wanted to go shop or whatever. I, I, didn't, I felt like that's intrusive. So it was that training. And then on top of that, I'm an introvert. And I don't know, I, w- I wouldn't want somebody to just walk up on me like that. So I try to publicly give people the courtesies that I would want. So that's another mm-hmm. reason why I just don't walk up. So if I saw Janet, I, I, would, I would be startled or whatever, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't walk up on her. I wouldn't ask for a picture or whatever. And here's another thing with that, because I've been thinking about pictures this year. I don't take pictures um, with me and my my friends. If we just chilling, like, you know, take a picture and post it on the gram. And I'm like, no, nah. my, my theory is, you know, if we're together or whatever, everything ain't to be shared, da 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 And I've been thinking coming into this year, it's like, I want to capture some moments with my friends. You know, even if I don't share them, 
I do want, you know, a witness to say, oh, we, you know, hung out this night. It was a great night and we was all together, especially since I've had some friends in my age bracket the last year and a half to pass away. And, you know, you wish like, oh, I wish we would have captured more moments together or, you know, just, just got that moment. And so I, I do think now going forward, I want to take more pictures with my friends and share them um, with them, just in case if I go, hey, you got a picture of our night together, we share that. Or if they go, then I have something that we share with each other, not necessarily for for the gram or something like that. So I yeah. have several photos in my phone from just experiences, like you're saying, where I I didn't post it, probably won't mm -hmm. post it, but. Mm -hmm. Is it, it, the moment was captured, and I can look at it and be like, "Oh shoot, remember this?" Like going down memory lane. Right. But yeah. 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 I take pictures, and that's so. The flip side to that is, I take pictures, and I won't post them. <laughs> so hmm. you'll get mm -hmm. the same photos of me until like I'm like, "Oh, you know what? I've had this profile pick up for three months. I guess mm -hmm. I should mm -hmm. swap it out." But mm -hmm. I'm the guy that takes the takes the picture, takes the video, and yeah, I, I won't post them. Like there'll be stuff. Uh, I know people eat up kids and pets. I just stuff that I could post to my kids of videos I've taken, of photos that I've taken. And I'm just mm -hmm. like, yeah, it was just it was the moment, and I, I captured mm -hmm. the moment. It's not something where I have to necessarily. Mm -hmm live it out for social media mm -hmm. to be like, hey, like and comment or dislike this moment that I shared mm -hmm. with my family. So mm -hmm. I hear you. Um, mm -hmm. My mom told me, she, my mom always told us, like, don't be scared to talk to these people if you see them. And mm -hmm. she was the person that if we were in an elevator with somebody famous, um, if we were in an elevator with somebody famous, she would say, are you so-and-so? Do you mind if I get a picture? And if she mm -hmm. didn't, if it's somebody we knew was kids, my, that's, my kids say you somebody. Are you somebody? She was that type mm -hmm. of person. So <laughs> <laughs> I remember uh, we were in Houston's in Jersey and mm -hmm. we saw Patrick Ewan. Um, he was finishing up dinner, but he was leaving. And I was like, oh, shoot, that's Patrick Ewan. And here go my mother. Y'all go ask him for a picture. And I didn't necessarily want the picture because I wasn't a Knicks fan and I didn't mm -hmm. care for him like that. But my uncle was with us and he's a big Knicks fan. So mm -hmm. in my mother's spirit, I walked up to Patrick Ewan like, hey, Pat, what's going on? Like, my uncle's a big fan. And this moose-faced nigga had the nerve mm -hmm. to tell me, oh, no, not right now. I'm like, Mm -hmm. Like it mm -hmm. wasn't even for me. Yeah, well, I hear he's like that. For me. at least he's consistent though. Because he just doesn't, from what I hear, he just does not give autographs. That's just not his, that's not his thing. I mean, so it wasn't up. personal. <laughs> I take it personal. I get it. 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 But that's it, 
So it, you, you're a famous author. I'm not going to let you be little. I don't know. You're, I don't know about that. You're, you're, you're a famous author. So what's your theory on, you just said you wouldn't, you know, wouldn't want people to come up to you, but in the event that someone does come up to you and they just so happen to have a copy of the book with them, mm-hmm. are you like, I'm, I'm okay. And like, are you, are you at least talking, communicating, or are you, at what point do you not stop to sign or stop to take the photo? Oh, I would always do that. Like, I would always do that because I'm just amazed that somebody would have it and that they took time out to read it. Like, that's amazing to me. That's very humbling to me. And so if, if you did that, then, oh, my God, I'm going to stop and, and talk and have done that. Always have done that. Because to me, I'm just like, wow, you... You, per- you with your own money, you purchased something that I wrote, and that's that's amazing to me. Um, and so, yeah, I, it's not about being rude like that. It is about for for me, if it's you know just got somebody else. I was in uh, Shaw's Crab um, House in Chicago, and I walked in, and Bill Walton. And Rick Barry were sitting there at the table. And, and we were all in the same dining room. Like he was just in the general dining room and they were, they were just sitting eating. And I saw him, I was like, oh my God, like that's Bill Walton. My instincts was to go over and fan out. But then I'm like, well, he's, he's eating, right? Mm-hmm. And everybody in the place is, is letting him eat and, you know, conversate and yada, yada, yada. And why would I be the jerk to interrupt his his dinner? Because mm-hmm. I want a you know a picture or something like that. So yeah, I, I just think you know if it was like in your scenario, of course I would stop. I don't mind that. But if it's like you know someone else, like I would really be, I would really be it. You know. I would have angst about that. I would tell you a, a, a lesson that I learned. I was long time ago. I had um, dinner with Tavis Smiley and it wasn't just me, but it was a couple other people because we were working on his youth to leaders thing that he used to tour with. And um, he told us the story how um, he was in Chicago, he was at the Cheesecake Factory and um, uh, Kobe and Vanessa, just happened to be there. So um, Kobe came over, he said, Kobe came over to the table and, you know, he spoke or whatever. He was like, I got to meet his wife and everything like that. And he asked me, he was like, man, I see all these people always coming up to you and and you signing everything and yada, yada. He was like, don't that just piss you off, make you mad? Then you just come here to eat. He was like, Kobe, there's a difference between me and you. You got a guaranteed contract. <laughs> you got eighty million sitting there yeah. in the bank. These people have bought my books. They watch me on TV. They support what I do. He was like, I I talk to them because these people support me in that way. And it was like, yeah, that makes all the sense in the world. And they just really taught me. It, it just made me realize or whatever that well, perhaps if 
you got a guaranteed contract if you, you know, you know, Jeff Bezos or something like that, you could afford to be that way. But when your your business and what you do and what you are public for is based off of public trust or public engagement, you can't be you can't be that way. Yeah. You can't. No, absolutely not. So all right. Last thing before I go, um, before we go. Are you into sports now? Uh football, all of that great stuff currently. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. Who are your picks for the uh wild card? Uh not wild card, the games this weekend. Uh Honestly, don't know who's playing. We got. I'll, I'll I'll give you the rundown. It's quite fine. Okay. We got Bengals, Bills. We got Giants, Eagles. We got the Chiefs and the Jaguars, and the Cowboys and the Forty Niners. By default, I'm probably going to go with the Forty Niners. Um. Yeah, cause I, I, you know, I, you know, was riding with the Bucks, and that just didn't happen this year. Sorry, Giselle, want to come back home now? <laughs> I, I was just playing. <laughs> <laughs> no, that conversation. Well, girl, you take me seriously? Hey, come on, come on. I was just. Man, I'm just giving you some family. space for a minute. <laughs> just to... <laughs> Man, listen. Yeah, that might be a complicated uh, conversation to have <laughs> when he gets home. <laughs> what was that? Eight and what was that? Eight and eight? This <laughs> like eight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, a, it's a delicate conversation to have. Um. But yeah, um, I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go 49ers on that. What about you? All the way. Yeah. Oh boy, George is not gonna be thrilled with this. Nah, uh, but it's like you know, hey, more somebody, somebody, yeah, somebody just need to bring all the Cowboys fan back to the earth. Like, it's okay. You had a good week. But this is real life, and you all are these. You are the Cowboys. Y'all don't win things, so Jesus. let's just let's just <laughs> let's go back to normal. So, because <laughs> you know this week they have been horribly obnoxious, but they deserve it. You know they're having a good week, so let's just get that over with. So I'm, a, I'm, a, yeah, I'm gonna go San Francisco. That's uh it's awfully um. Okay, same friend. Mm-hmm. You never had uh, help. I can I say something? Say you can say whatever you like. That's why you're up here. I, I want to say that I don't care if LeBron James passes Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the, in the points race. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the greatest basketball player to ever play the game. And my hypothesis is this. You can give LeBron more points than Kareem, and that's fine. But Kareem was a better high school player. And I mean, he won in high school. Like, 
record numbers, his points, and he he won national nationally in high school. He was he was the head of a UCLA team that won like thirty three games in a row. Like he won three out of four, won the title three out of four years there. Like there was no other, there was no better high school player. There was no better college player. I even say the Olympics, he dominated when he played, he dominated the, the Olympics and he dominated his era in, in the NBA. And so you can look at, when we had this GOAT conversation, it's like, well, he has more points than Kareem. So he's the greatest, um, he's the GOAT. And I'm like, well, no, he's not. And there's a difference between the greatest NBA basketball player and the greatest basketball player to ever play the game. I am saying from high school to the pros, look at that resume. And there are, there are gaps in LeBron's resume. First of all, he didn't win in high school. He didn't go to college. He lost in, in the Olympics. He's lost more times in the finals than he won. Kareem has more MVPs, has more finals MVPs. Like, just because he has more points doesn't mean he's the best basketball player. It speaks to his longevity. It speaks to the fact we ain't never seen nothing like LeBron before in our entire lives, and that's amazing. And so that makes him the third greatest basketball player to ever play the game. And somebody who is from Chicago, I am saying – that Kareem's career from high school to the pros is better than Michael Jordan's. Now, I'm going to pick Michael Jordan. I prefer Michael Jordan. Like, I'm going to, there's no way I'm not going to go with Michael Jordan. Like, I'm, of course, I'm going to pick Michael Jordan. But looking at the body of work from high school to pros, it's Kareem. And it's not even close. I was ready to argue you for your point about greatest basketball player. I was ready to argue you. I was never going to argue the LeBron side. His fans can do that, and they probably will when he passes for him. That's not my fight, nor is it my heel to die on. <clears throat> I was going to push back with Michael Jeffrey, but the point you make is valid when you speak through a high school, winning on a high school level, winning on a college level, winning uh, in the pros, and then also being a gold medalist. Um, I'll offer some pushback because it's a podcast and why not? But some would say that the GOAT title is given to Mike because of not only his winning, the only player to do back-to-back, and the conversation is he probably could have won throughout if he remained in the pros. Um, He transcended the game and now has the award for most valuable player named after him um, for the league. So the argument could be made for Mike, 
mm-hmm. um, it's kind of hard to put the high school in play. Mike won on a college level. He won a gold medal. He's won in the pros. Um, the points thing was never an uh, argument for me to say, oh, well, this person is the GOAT because they have the most points. Uh, hello. There's allegedly a 100-point game that was floating around from uh, that no one's seen. We only have the picture uh, mm-hmm. of him holding 100. There's no video footage. But come on. How easy was it to score and during those times? All not saying, very, not very hard. It was not. It, no, it, it was very hard. And I want people to stop, y'all stop discrediting <laughs> Will like that. Like that's a hundred points is a hundred points. But if a tree falls in the woods and nobody mm. hears it, does it make a sound? It does. It absolutely does. You wouldn't know that because you're not in the woods with the tree. Mm. Uh, <laughs> um, but in all seriousness. The high school thing is something that I have to take into consideration. I don't have a rebuttal for that. And I don't want to get into the semantics of the, well, he won six rings back to back and he never lost. And da, 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 da. I don't want to get into those semantics and talk about that's why he's the GOAT because of his record in the finals. Um, but I am willing to hear the argument that people may have that uh, opposes your statement of Kareem being the greatest basketball player. Yeah, no, it, it, I'm, I'm, I'd like to hear the argument against that too. Right? Look at his body of work from high school to to the pros, and you give me someone that has won as much on every level, not just the NBA, because there's people who are in the who are in the basketball hall of fame who did not have great NBA careers, but they had great basketball careers. So we talk about the GOATs is everybody wants to start, you know, talking to me about LeBron's numbers and y'all want to tell me, well, he has more rebounds than Michael Jordan. Well of course he does. He was a forward. He's 6'9". <laughs> like, of course he's going to have more. Of course he's going to have more rebounds. He got more assists than Michael Jordan. He's a point guard. Of <laughs> course he's going to have more assists. That's his job. That's what he did. Like, like you know, when Jay says men lie, women lie, women lie but don't. numbers don't lie, they don't. But you have to make numbers tell the truth. And so you want to tell me he's got more assists, more rebounds, more points than Michael Jordan. That makes him a better basketball player. No, it does not. Absolutely. Listen, listen, you're you're not going to get an argument out of me, not even for content purposes. (laughs) (laughs) Not even for the. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So. And he's a. No, no. And LeBron is a great basketball player. Nobody's. Saying that at all, my God, we ain't never seen nothing like LeBron before. But he's not, not the goat. No, no. I, I see, and I love this because this means you're just gonna have to come back up here for another conversation 
uh, about sports or have me over there for a conversation. Whatever you want to do, just know this, this probably ain't going to be a last invite up here. Uh, never. As long as you're willing to come up, I'm willing to have you. Matter of fact, I might want to see if you're free next week. I got something lined up. I got a panel thing going, but I'd love yeah. to. Okay. I'd All love right. to. But I, I, I do have a um what was that? I'll save it. I'll save it. You're gonna be up here again. I'm gonna have to give out all mm-hmm. the topics if we won't speak again. But I am interested if you're listening, if you want a, re- a rebuttal, the Kareem point, please come with supporting facts for who you have and not just the uh grown man barbershop. Oh, because man, uh he he, the points and the board. Don't you? Yeah, yeah, we're not doing that. Uh, can I get a show from you before we cut out of here? Um, I know my stuff is really nerd. It's really nerd stuff. Um, have you seen the Comey rule? The who? <laughs> the Comey Rule. Uh, it's a it's a two part series, um, and it, it's on Netflix now. Um, and and so uh, it's nerd stuff, but it, if you're interested in political stuff, you know it's a it's a great it's a great uh, a great movie. To watch the call me um, C O M E Y. I just watched uh, this movie called Up. Why? Well, the Disney I, movie, I'm, the Disney movie, the Disney. Yes, movie. It, it's, okay. Yeah, uh, I'm taking an aesthetics class, and in the aesthetics class, we're looking at philosophy through the lens of anime and cartoons, and so like there's a list of stuff for us to watch this semester first one was like the hunchback of notre dame um so and then up was on there um and i just so i was flipping and i saw it i don't know i'm supposed to do that so i watched it it's, it's an underrated nice. movie it's very nice it, it was it, it spoke to a lot of things philosophically and around grief and about starting over and i just was pleasantly surprised um buy it and i was like yeah good old disney good old anti-semitic disney they <laughs> they'll, they'll come through every you know they come through they can't they that that Walt disney was a hateful jew jewish hating person but dog donald if he can make a good good cartoon sometimes you know i i always say we have to redo the greatest Disney movie of all time uh mm. record because they're they've been they've made some some really good movies they got uh, some hits <laughs> got some hits out there <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting to ever watch up but I like you when I watched it I was like oh shoot yeah well, all right I saw the new night court <sighs> have you have you seen it I saw the commercial for it and I saw the advertisement on a billboard. Okay. But 
Um, Night Court holds a special place in my heart because when I was Mm -hmm. younger at my grandmother's house, Mm -hmm. that was one of the shows that came on mid, Mm -hmm. like when she was in between sleep. My my grandmother was good for sleeping and Mm -hmm. waking up and turning into uh, Golden Girls or something else. So when she was asleep, that signaled Mm -hmm. to us that Night Court was when she went to sleep for real. That signaled to Mm -hmm. us that Night Court was coming on and we would watch Night Court because. Bless her heart. She didn't have cable. She just had the the basic, uh, the base the basic channels. So I have a soft spot for Night Court. And when I saw the, the commercial, I'm like, ah, do you know, know the story that they're telling? No. Okay, so it picks up years later, and the the new Night Court judge is Harry's daughter. Ah, uh, okay. And so okay. she goes and finds Dan Fielding and brings him back to the court because he moved on and he's not even practicing anymore. So he brings him back and they, so I watched the first two episodes and they're giving you all the Easter eggs, like all the stuff from Night Court, like it's there, all the references, like they did it right um, to try to tie it to um, the, the original series. And so they they talk about Harry a lot, and this is daughter and some issues between them and Dan's helping her fill in the blanks. It's going to give you the feels. It's going to, okay. it's, it's not disappointing. I'm curious as to what story ultimately they're going to tell, um, but the framework is there. So if you love Night Court, this is not going to be disappointing. You're going to be very interested in, in you know, what they're doing. So it's it's not disappointing. So you 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 wouldn't be disappointed. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely take a look at that. Um, I like without watching it from you saying that they tied it. They tried to tie it in as best they could. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm okay with that. Um, yeah. My show or movie is called uh, the Tulsa King with yeah. uh, Stallone. With Stallone. Okay, how is it? Some have argued, I don't know if you watch Power or you are a fan of Power. Mm-hmm. Some have argued that it's what Power was aiming to be. Hmm. I'll say that. That's a pretty bold statement. Pretty bold statement, but it is fire. Okay. Okay. I'm for it. It's fire. I'm for it. And I, if you don't like it, you can come back up here and tell me why uh, you have such a horrible taste. But in the meantime, uh-huh. um, <laughs> in the meantime, uh, mm-hmm. I appreciate you as always, my brother. No, thank you for having me. I appreciate sharing it. some laughs. Absolutely. Uh, one of these days, I'm gonna get you to answer that uh, that question you tried to drag me hinds around, but. Uh, the devil. Can we talk about tap? No, 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 no. We ain't got to talk about it now. We ain't got to talk about it now. But okay. Appreciate you for coming on. Uh, no, of course. I would love. Thank to you, man. I appreciate you, man. This is a place where you come up here and uh, cut, cut loose, relax, mm-hmm. let your hair down. I always make the reference that this is. Uh, this is Sunday dinner in between service. 
mm. where mm. not every if people don't get that reference, not everybody's invited out to eat with you. Exactly. In between service. Exactly. So when you go to dinner in between service, there's conversations that you can have, there's jokes that you can have, and mm -hmm. it's okay because everybody knows people here aren't gonna be clout chasing. Right. Because that works right, both right. ways. They're not gonna be clout chasing and try to find the salacious thing and run back and say, oh, well, guess what this person said while they was up. Right. No, it's Sunday right. dinner. You're here by invite because we have some sort of inclination that you can handle the conversation that you're going to be around. Yeah. So that, that's how I, I, I phrase it to people who are a little bit nervous about coming up. I equate it to Sunday dinner. Well, I appreciate so, that. Thank you for inviting me. Whenever you want. Doors open. I appreciate that. Doors open. But uh, get okay. your excuses ready. Uh, it's a new year, which means your excuses roll over just like your sick days and vacation time. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> 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 <Gotcha>. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> As I well they should. Yeah, man. As well they should. They absolutely should. Why not? Yeah. If you get sick yeah. days that renew every year, you should have yeah. absolutely should. Then you can pull out your back pocket to call out of work or school. Absolutely. But absolutely. You go watch Emancipation and have yourself a great weekend. Right, I should, right. I know <laughs> I should. I know I should. I need to stop being so petty. I, I love the good petty person. Yeah. I used to go by the moniker of Petty Murphy back way back when. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I need to stop. Don't, don't, man. Let it he sit until March. He ain't through with me yet. That's what Let it, it sit till March. Let it sit yeah. till March. Then go back yeah. to it. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> have a good one, sir. And I do hope that you don't get a tongue lashing about the Cowboys. Uh, I'm not worried about it. It's fine. I know you're not. I know you're not. He'll, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him right now because I want him to have joy in his life, but it's, it's going to be short-lived. That's all. <laughs> Give the people where they can find you before we cut out. You can find me across all social media platforms at Patrick D. Schaefer. My man's the names. Uh, my good brother, have a good one. We'll you talk. too, man. Be good. Thank you. Talk to you later.